Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I wouldn't be asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cuffed you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> so I made my, I think it's uh, 14th comeback and counting for Port Leash uh, last night, lad. So I was two years out of the game. Um, pretty much finished with it. Hadn't played football since the Masters two years ago and the Junior Bees came calling for me last night, uh, Ger. <laughs> I, I played the full game. My legs were like jelly after 15 minutes. Um, should have been taken off. Just wasn't the numbers there probably to get me <laughs> off the field. <laughs> but I feel like I've been in a car accident now. I'm so sore. It's absolutely, it's excruciating. Fair play to Wally. That's great. Good, good to get out. Uh, lovely evening last night as well. Beautifully. Jeez, see, see that's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what inspired me to go. I first said, yeah, look, yeah. I'm in these, my knees in a terrible state. It'll be grand. Then I kind of went, ah, geez, a lovely evening. Yeah, sure, yeah. what harm? Yeah, you get off putting the kids to bed as well, which is <laughs> important too, you know. So. Well, they're in Spain, you see. I was more bored, oh, yeah. you see. All these things were... <laughs> All these things were uh, were adding up. See, Brendan, I'm making you feel like an old man here. I'm still kicking. You know, Jerry's retired. He's way younger than me. I'm the only one keeping this show on the road here. Hey, you know what, boy? You, you've, you've made me think about taking your career right back to when I first met you, actually. If you allow me to cast you back a small bit. 1998. That's some time ago now, Willie. You were kind of like uh, the GA's answer to, to, to Britpop, you know, with the <laughs> hair, your attitude. Maybe the talent. I wasn't sure, but... Uh, if you remember, I, we joined up for the international rules. Remember that? that yeah, it was yeah. the first year it was back. Yeah. Uh, myself, yourself, and uh, Jimmy McGuinness were in the squad. And um, we kind of we were similar. And I suppose if you look at WhatsApp groups now, we're probably in a WhatsApp group, myself, yourself, Hum, Big Brian, Johnny McCaff, Rooster Redden. And we, we played a bit of football and enjoyed the crack, plenty of beers. And maybe it was the other way around, but... You, I was just thinking back to that second test, Willie. I don't think you played in the first one, but in the no. second one, um, the the hospital pass that you got. Can you remember this, <laughs> I? Yeah, yeah. Now, 
it was funny because John McDermott was our captain and he was quite a big guy. He was one of our biggest, but they were, he was like a similar size to most of the Aussies. So, Aussie. so he caught this looping ball. And I remember it was just on the Cusick stand. So there's two Aussies coming, smelling blood, coming racing for him to sack him. He turns around and gives you a 10-yard pass. I, I would say you were about 11 stone at the time, Willie. So two boys were conversion on you. And another Aussie came in and joined in the mix. I would say maybe 45 stone versus 11. And it was a... It was an awful scene, really. I mean, it gave me no joy at the time to see it. You could take him down. Uh, it was something like one of those great whites there playing with a seal there. You'd see him on those um, wildlife shows. So anyway, the whistle goes for half time. We go on the Cusick stand, I remember. And uh, at the time, you remember the mess of McGuinness was? Uh, so you come on, you have the hairs, you're bloodied, you're, you're all ruffled, the hair's all over the place. I would say it was the hair you're most disappointed in. But uh, we, we look at you across the room and uh, McGuinness looks at me and bursts out laughing. <laughs> now, like, like, Willie, this was a, this was nearly 2,000 like, sell-out game. I know people might look at it in different ways, but this was a this was a big match, you, you know, that we were playing in. So you looked at us. I had to skedaddle on the, the toilets because I could see uh, O'Rourke and, and uh, Mickey Moore looking as if to say, uh, you know, what, what's wrong we used to? So uh, I came back out and I composed myself. So I was scared to look up because... Um, at the time it was kind of like being a mass you know the the half time talk had started so I just caught your eye and you more or less put the hand up to me and said you two can go to <laughs> I'll never forget it hey but I hope you didn't get a ball like that last night well, that's some time ago now the, the what you call it that ball that pass I got you can't mark a hand pass obviously so I was left high and dry and I'd just come on Yeah. the week before the there was I think there was 27 on the panel and only 25 could tug out so myself and Jim McGuinness were the two that lost out. And I kind of took that a little bit. Ah, Jesus, am yeah. I good enough to be here at all or whatever? Yeah, yeah. So I ended up going out the Friday night before the second test thinking this was the same. <laughs> and then O'Rourke calls out the panel the next day and I'm, I'm on the panel and I'm half going, oh, for fuck's yeah. sake. But this ball, anyways, I fell on the ground on the ball in my chest and the big ape that jumped on my back fell on top of me and it just pushed all the air out of my body and I was running around like for 10 minutes like a headless chicken just trying to breathe like this and honestly don't when pass the, me the ball when <laughs> came in at half time and I looked up and this dickhead of McGuinness are laughing, yeah, <laughs> laughing yeah. at me but I never got brought on after that anyways yeah, yeah. that was my uh, Aussie that rules was, career that was my Aussie that was my 10 minutes yeah, just yeah. running around trying to breathe <laughs> what a proud moment that was you last night now Willie that's you back at it got two good points early in the game lads until the legs kind of went on me maybe Jesus the, the water breaks are sensational for junior football yeah, they, yeah. he gave us about two and a half three minutes yeah they'd probably keep them in for junior football going forward I think they showed yeah. everybody was absolutely delighted with this yeah yeah um, but yeah that's it so junior junior football 43 this week uh, so I'm going to do a Mickey Linden on a chair I'm going to go to them 50 <laughs> anyways enough about that uh, nonsense the league I was thinking like this is the league semi-finals and in a, in a weird way Ger the league semi-finals and in, in a lot of ways they're not as important as the relegation because there's no league final there's no further to go whereas if you're relegated you're down you don't have to worry about that with Carlo obviously you have a big game but there's nothing after it Yeah and again it's, it's been spoken you know by, by a lot of analysts over the last number of weeks that the GA have missed the trick by not putting in the league finals to be played um, whatever the Division 1 teams having championship to look forward to and a real go at winning in All-Ireland or winning a provincial championship yeah. Um, you know the division two and certainly three and four teams. The only chance that they'll get uh, in a generation for silverware is to win a divisional title. And I don't know, maybe is there an opportunity if enough pressure comes on them to try and get these things played? 
I don't know. We could get them fixed still, but it is it is disappointing that uh, the league finals are going aren't being played. Uh, from a relegation point of view, I know we come on so to here, the so here, ju- yeah. just just on yeah. that, would Carlo take the league final the week before the championship? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But why don't you have that option? Like, isn't that not fair? Like, yeah. they think to what they think they know what's better for Carlo, and we you would be happy to play that league final the week before the championship. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. And and uh, the winners at the other side, I think it's Antrim Waterford and. And more than the other divisional finals, they would uh, too. Three and two. Of course, they would because it's it's it's, it's a national title and it's a realistic goal and a name that uh, each of these teams at this level have in, in terms of winning the provincial championship or uh, an all Ireland championship. Yeah, you, know, so. you see, see that's co- that's uh, comparing Brendan the Division Four team to a Division One team because we remember last year Donegal came down to Kerry and they had an outside chance of winning the league. Now it was a long journey and they were out in the championship the week after and they sent a weakened team down to Kerry and maybe this is what Croke Park are thinking. Look, nobody would take that the week before seriously and I would agree none of the Division 1 teams that have a chance of winning in All-Ireland would take it seriously the week before the championship. They can't risk going out but any, I think 2, 3 and 4, maybe not Mayo, definitely 3 and 4 would take the league final the week before the championship any day, Brendan. I suppose it's all about making gains, Molly, and this is why we're mm. we're on about the second year championship and and how you are progressing as a, as a side. So for a load of teams, it's about progressing up the leagues and and outside of that, there, there isn't a shot really at a provincial. I know we had the strange scenarios last year of of Cavan and Leeson. It's both interesting that they're both struggling now. You know, potentially going down the division again, which is hard to believe after the championship they had. So there is obviously times where there's exceptions to the rules, but. I think if you look at any managers coming in, look look, look at Enda McGinley, say, and uh, com- coming in the Antrim. Like, what what's his big priority is is to get Antrim up the divisions. You know, ahead of anything, they they want to get competitive again in Ulster, of course, but they want to get up the divisions. So, you're right. Why is that debate not had at, at Crow Park to assess the counties that are in it rather than them making a uh, a one size fits all scenario for the end of the league. Yeah. Do you think there's a scope? Now, I see, I don't want you to talk about this too much because you've a game against Loud and you know, yeah. you'd be accused of saying, you know, I'm looking too far ahead. But, like, I mean, in general, even talk about the Division 3 league semi finals. Should Offaly, Fermanagh, Derry, and Limerick be asked, are you happy to play a week before the championship? And if they say yes, play the league final. I, I, I would fully agree with you. And, and, and the Carlo had off again, you know. It's a realistic goal, and and, and uh, Brendan mentions uh, McGinley up in Antrim as well. Like like he would have said out at the start of the year, saying Antrim, you know, they're they're not near an Ulster Championship really. Let's be honest, um, but they do have a chance of getting up out of Division Four and potentially being divisional titles, uh, and and that will in itself create a buzz around the county. It'll create what would you call it, um, nearly a pathway or or. Uh, a bit of inspiration for the younger guys coming up to say, well, geez, the lads are playing in Division 3 now. Um, these things are going well. And, and and it just raises the standards, it raises the bar. And again, going back to my own time playing with Dublin, where initially I was in with Pillar and I remember going up to uh, Donegal and, and playing up in Ballyshannon and in, 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 in the shitty pitch there in, in, in uh, A. Ruel, I think is the, is the, um, the ground there. And... Um, we were being told that look it's only the league don't be worrying about it but when Pat came in he said in order to beat these teams in championship you have to beat them in the league regardless of what personnel they have out because it's still the same jersey 
And the same way, in order for a Division 4 3 team to progress along to the latter stages of an All-Ireland series, they need to be playing against the better teams and be exposed to that level of football. And that in itself, it just again raises the bar the whole time. Yeah, you know? James McCarthy's been in the media. We're going to comment on some of his uh, s- some of the stuff he's been saying. He agrees. He said we just had a free weekend gone by. Um, he says I don't think there's an issue with teams playing week on week. That extra weekend could have been the weekend where you had the semi-finals or whatever. Now, obviously, Dublin are in a situation where they don't have a killer first round. You know, mm. Donegal can't t- couldn't take down for granted. Maybe you know or. Um, Dublin would be fairly sure that they'll win their first round. So, like, I mean, I can understand James being pro it. I would be just interested to see what teams themselves, you know, think and give it, give the, give them the option. I don't want to be repeating myself again, mm-hmm. but um, you know, Division two and three or three and four would definitely be on for, like you're saying, mm-hmm. for playing those league finals. James McCarthy, right? He's still winning the long runs. Yeah. In Dublin. Right, I, I couldn't, but like he's 31, he's eight All-Irelands. Yeah. Like at what point does his competitive nature start to weigh in, right? He's eight, eight All-Irelands, four All-Stars. He's the only player that has won all eight out in an outfield position, started at all eight. And the, he said that the young lads beat him in the shorter runs, but they still can't get him on the longer runs. Isn't that incredible, Jer? Yeah, he's an old thoroughbred as James and... It'd be interesting uh, for you to do or one of the researchers Wally to, to find a snap of James in his jersey for the 2011 All-Ireland final and now and just the size of him like he's put on maybe five or six kilos of actual uh, uh, muscle and how he's progressed but James uh, Mickey Whelan Brendan was our uh, coach under Pat Gilroy uh, another St Vincent's man as well and he used to be always on to James you're, you're loping you're loping when you're running but for every two strides James was taking I was taking about five strides but just the way he ran and Onogar has a similar kind of stride but the lads are just powering off the ground Who's up there with James now in the long distance? Yeah so Michael Darren McCauley used to be decent um, uh, very good uh, Darren Daly but he was very good Kev McMenamin has a great engine really? and uh, I actually wasn't too bad on the longer runs uh, I Pure well, can Kelly not be good at them though? Kieran was, ec- yeah, Kieran was excellent when he came in. His his exposure to the Aussie rules, even for that brief time, I think it it, 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 it helped him raise the bar and to know what level he needs to get to. And when he did his knee, um, his cruciate, I think maybe the league 2014 or maybe 15, I think he put in an awful lot of work to get himself right to, to, to never be caught out again. But Kieran is a guy, when you're looking at the 1K time trials, the lads are doing slightly sub three minutes or just over three minutes. They, they do that comfortably enough, like you know. So. Right. What were you like at the long distance, Brendan? I don't. I can't imagine very good. You're more of a sprint man. <laughs> ah, yeah. When you have a Jamaican ass like mine, it just tells you. <laughs> the Usain Bolt day was good on there, you know. My sisters have it too, which, you know, initially it, it wasn't a good thing, but now. The sisters the won't be happy with that, that Brendan. <laughs> the sisters will be giving <laughs> out to you. The, 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 bu- the bubble butt's all in now, James. Yeah, if you're yeah. happy, I'd be slagging them. But no, it seemed to be a divining thing with decent glutes, so I, yeah. I, it was definitely about the speed there, Willie. Plus, see, long distance running, and that bores me. Yeah. Uh, anything like that, like since the, the injury there, I, I, I Rory Kavanagh lent me a racer and I'm out in the road and one go at it. And I was like, this isn't for me. Yeah. But then I got a mountain bike and there's a mountain bike trail beside us here. So I like that bit of, you know, bit of rough and up and around and something fast and sharp. Anything yeah. long distance it just bores me, you know, so I sprint, sprinting all the way. <laughs> a little bit, of, a little bit of speed. I'm just thinking back, like, I mean, was Mannion and McCaffrey in there when you were there? It would have been in 13. Like, I mean, are they, they must be winning the sprints, um, the two uh, of them. Yeah, so like in terms of the sprints, definitely. Um, in terms of probably the longer runs, um, yeah, track was decent, but those lads, when you look at the, 
physiological makeup of the, of the sprinters and the, and the, the Jamaicans are full of fast twitch fibres which yeah, are yeah. quite anaerobic and they tire far quicker than the, the, the slower twitch which is what a lot of the Kenyans have and that's you know they're able to pound off the ground for hours and hours at the, at the one pace. At so one pace. Gaelic football is obviously somewhat of a mixture in between, but it's more obviously high intense uh, running. But I say the big thing that um, we would have noticed coming in was the, the use of GPS systems and getting some baseline data where you're wearing the GPS system within a game, and you can actually measure and create benchmarks of how much high intensity running you do in a game. So if the middle eight are covering eleven, twelve kilometers of that eleven, twelve. 12 kilometers over 70 minutes anywhere from maybe two to three three k's is high intensity what's high intensity it's probably 75 80 percent of your max speed so then you actually tailor your training to kind of match that so when i started with dublin there's a load of these long runs and yourselves you always have a couple of years on me when you uh when you're playing there's an awful lot of like hard slog like 400 meter runs yeah. and 300 meter runs but it just the whole thing has changed really like you, you do need a base aerobic fitness in terms of to be able to endure the load but ultimately the game we're playing is about uh, uh, sprints uh, repeatability if that's even a word I don't know what it is but uh, but you get where I'm coming from Yeah well that's the thing like I mean I missed out on all this technical stuff Brendan so did you with the GPS's and everything I find it fairly interesting back in my day it was laps and then when the ground got a bit harder and the clock went back then you'd play matches and do sprints shuttle sprints mm. in out in out in out over and across the field and you'd give up completely on the long distance running and that's what got you fit so it's a little bit interesting to hear that Brendan I would hate to have the uh, had the GPS on me at that stage. I had this, I was always trying to stay close to goals because I thought if I make a run and I'm on the 15 or 14 or wherever and I end up out in the 30, 35, I want to turn and shoot or, or burn me man and shoot. So the further I got out, the more I thought, right, I'm too far from the goals. All was in my head was score, 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 score. So, yeah, the GPS might have been, might have been pretty. But I always remember you, Willie, telling me years about, about Mikko about just had some big field there and, and lease some big park and it was like run over to that tree and go back and then run twice around that one. <laughs> I remember you, you were absolutely dying after so well, he did. that would have been the old school that he had, you know. Yeah, he did at that time. That was like, he'd send you for five laps and then he'd mix you up and send you for seven and then he'd come back see you tired and he'd said, look lads, we'll change it up and he'd send you back to do the same thing the other way around yeah, and that's yeah. how he would mix it up. <laughs> but in between each one, He'd be telling us that, you know, Jesus, you're some footballers like I Jack O'Shea. He'd tell us a Jack O'Shea yeah, story yeah. and you're as good as him and you're as good, you know, and suddenly you're going back for this next seven laps and you're, you're, yeah, yeah. you're, full, of, uh, you're full of energy. Um, come here, Jim McGuinness. James McCarthy was also responding to Jim McGuinness. And Jim McGuinness was talking. Now, this was at the Sky uh, Media Day that he spoke about this. Apparently, he was on uh, talking with Joe Malloy as well. I think he backtracked on this a little bit. Uh, Brendan, I'm going to throw this to you first. But he said Dublin were probably the most defensive team in the country last year. There's absolutely no doubt about that. They had 15 men inside their own 65 every time the opposition had the ball. Uh, the difference is that when Dublin get the ball, they're absolutely brilliant. They're brilliant at keeping the ball. They're brilliant at running the ball. They're brilliant at transitioning. They're brilliant at kicking their scores. Like, I just fundamentally disagree with that, that Dublin um, have 15 men inside their own 65 almost every time the opposition had the ball. It's just not true. That's not what Dublin want to do. And there's loads of times in games that Dublin will have them back. But if you take a screenshot of that, they're paired off with a man. Like teams often attack with everyone now, Brendan. So there's always a case, even if they're playing Mayo or Kerry, you know, you will find situations on both sides of the field where the, the attack is a bit slow, cornerbacks join in, 
you know, now you find yourself up past midfield with everyone on the Carrier Mayo team in that half and Dublin marking their men. Like, you cannot possibly say that's a defensive team. Like, what are they meant to do? Just let, let these players off. Right. I think, well, this comes back to the whole blame game, you know. Um, the Ulster boys are blamed for years, and rightly so, for creating the worst, uh, you know, effects of, of blanket defence and, and rigid defending. And then, of course, that had a knock-on effect to everybody. Uh, particularly, obviously, if you look at 2014, when Dublin decided we're going to play our own game and they got sucked into Donegal's counter-attack. And once that happens, there's going to only be one winner, as I told you in Newstalk before that game, and you completely disagreed with me, but we'll, <laughs> we'll park that. But um, uh, that, at that time, well, then, when Dublin learned to do with that, then I think everybody then is trying to fire out who's doing what and, and this blanket defence. I think the game's moved on. That's why I was very surprised by Jim's comments now. I mean, if this was a few years ago, this was being thrown out by everybody. Dublin are defensive, Dublin defence. Dublin are just playing the game as they have to see it in terms of you've got to protect your defence. If the other opposition's doing it, and then you've got to hit them on the counter. And if you've got better players, the better players will still come out. And this is the thing about any system. Once they mirror each other, the better players come out. And that's what Dublin learned to do. So if teams were going to sit and they, they were going to sit, then, then that's it. Who's quicker to break? Who's got the better people at kicking points and that? So I was surprised at that. I was wondering then, was it, you know, it's a bit like Brawley there at times throws out the line. I mean, look at the traction that comes off the back of that. It creates a whole lot of debate, but maybe yeah. um, maybe some of guy said, Jim, you need to come out with a bold one here. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think anybody who follows sport realises that, you know, Dublin, I, I don't think in terms of uh, criticising Dublin in any way, tactically, what they do, they're playing the game, obviously, pretty much the bloody perfection, let's be honest. So anybody saying that they're the most defensive team um, there's just no no grounds for that. No, because it's out. But I find it outrageous that if they're playing May or Kerry, you will see that happen, but not very often. Whereas if they were to play Tyrone or Monaghan, you know, for the last four or five years, you'll see it happening a lot more. Yeah. So, like, I mean, the the reality is. Dublin prefer a kicking game and leaving their forwards up there. Sometimes that's not possible. But like he's he's describing Dublin as predominantly drop players back and counter attack. That is the opposite of what Dublin are. They're not that. They will do that if they have to do it. And I think in a weird way, McGuinness, because he referred to it later on in in the in the piece, he started comparing them to his Donegal team in 2012. Now you start seeing the motivation of what he's talking about now. So now his All-Ireland winning team are like the best team that's ever played the game, right? Do you get me, Jar? Am I onto something here? No, you're, you're onto something. And, 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 and Brendan is, is uh, obviously a fellow county man so and he's hit the nail on the head as well. And, and the first thing in terms of how Dublin are playing, they're, they are playing as you see it, uh, as you see it, like Brendan said. And again, there's numerous examples from the last couple of years of uh, Paul Mannion tracking back and turning the ball over in the full back line. Um, and, the, and the Morden Con because that's just what needs to be done if, if, a, if a corner back is going for it um, uh, on the attack he needs to be tracked and, and it's, it's, it is as simple as that I think the preferred option for Dublin is to keep guys up there and obviously let it in with the boots but again if it's not on they have to play it as you see it and if you can force the turnover in the middle of the field and uh, create a counter attack well that's just what they'll do and and uh, Again, fully agree with Brendan. Uh, they're playing the game to perfection, really, in many ways. And, and it's for an opposition to beat them playing in a similar way with similar quality players. Or you come up with something new and radical 
and a version of what Jim McGuinness did do in 2012 to, 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 to park the bus but be better at parking it and being able to break away I know uh, Throne it was 2015 or 16 all in final which everyone was uh, Throne tried that when they left the uh, young lad Mark something or other uh, Mark Bradley Mark Bradley up there in his own and they tried to break out. Um, the second thing, and, and James comments, and, and I remember doing a gig with uh, Benny Tierney, was he the keeper for Armagh? Yeah. And, and then reading Ocean McConville's book only just over this Christmas um, that he wrote in maybe 2007, but the frustration that Tierney had, and, and McConville uh, talks about in his book, that the only one won. Now, he obviously got close the following year, but Tierney was saying to me, with a few beers, he was like, you know, we're still pissed off because we're the team that won one in a row and, and, and that said to them and they were so close to, 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 to winning another one and if they had won another one they could have got another three or four before that team began to really fall away and that's how close things were obviously back then you know but uh, so Jim I don't know or maybe he's trying to get his name out there going for the Dundalk job is he still in the running for that or I think he's in conversations yeah. he's in conversation with the soccer so you, you wouldn't know what the agenda is there but yeah. uh, maybe makes, for, makes for interesting talking I do listen it yeah, gives yeah, us something yeah. to talk about on the show like yeah. I mean uh, it's nothing personal against Jim it's yeah. just like I mean just don't do not agree with that and it's it is yeah. an old it is usually Ulster tea Ulster pundits that say Dublin are really defensive Brendan it's that chip on the shoulder oh we're <laughs> not the only ones at it uh, look the best yeah, team in the country's yeah. at it as well you, you're, you're still, still like from McGuinness laughing you after the <laughs> big Romulan but hey uh, well you know that's what I was saying there, there is a lot of blame that's, that's thrown out about about who's doing what and once anybody in the north sees a team playing defensive yeah, because there's been so much flag thrown up and down, it's funny. It's, it, it's kind of funny that it is just Ulster. It seems to be Ulster and then everywhere else. I guess that's part of being living in, in Ulster, and particularly the occupied six. Uh, you're always ready for a fight. That's probably <laughs> the way you were just brought up, you know. But, yeah. but see, even again, my, the role I have at the moment, I get to get to some of these, I get to see some of these school games, the Macquarie Cup, and that when it's on, and like some wonderful footballers. and you know, lads aren't going out at big break in school saying, right, let's set up a mass defence here, lads, see how many tackles and turnovers we get over. They're going out to, you know, put the ball over from the outside of the boot, from the angle and, and, and uh, express themselves. And uh, obviously a senior club and county level, is, it's, it's, it's more tactical than that. But uh, but that's the essence of why people are attracted to Gaelic football and hurling is, is the skill element of it. And, uh, uh, and that's something which, thankfully, we are seeing more of up in Ulster as well in the, in the little mini Ulster uh, league slash championship that we've seen in the last couple of weeks yeah exactly so James McCarthy has been talking about all Ireland contenders as well and sure James is nearly playing everybody a compliment he's talking about <laughs> Kerry and he says they're definitely going to be they're going to be tight and you also have your Tyrone's Donegal's Armagh's Galway's Mayo's the usual teams they're always there and thereabouts and very dangerous on their day like I mean the reality here Brendan is only Kerry can beat Dublin in Croke Park am I right? <laughs> so you're you're, 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 you're cl- the, the closest I would imagine, Molly, all right? You know, um, I think James is, James always seems to have a bit of a smile on his face. He seems a nice guy, very chilled. You know, you would do, Chair, uh, obviously. But, you he know, likes to point to Guinness, Brendan, you know? Uh, I like might, a man who likes to point to Guinness. Yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't <laughs> need to throw out any daggers. There's no psychological warfare coming from him now, as if they say, the only team we're interested in, it's uh, Tyrone. You know, there's none of this freaking nonsense coming out, you know. Um, I, I think, Willie, listen, looking at Kerry, you're right. I mean, they, they picked up where they were last year. They were obviously were league champions and deserve it so. 
they're 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 playing the same better I think this season. Mm. Obviously, whatever happened last season, we can write that off. But if anybody's coming with ammunition, it's them. You know, the rest of the teams. Well, they, I don't know. I, I had this feeling there. You know the way they threw Galway and, and the Leinster? Could we throw Dublin and the Ulster for a few years just to see what the crack would be? You know, I, I think they could silence <laughs> all the Ulster people said, come on, the Ulster, try the Ulster Championship. I just wonder, you know, would, would, there, be, would there be some grounds for, for... When it gets to Crew Park, I just think at that stage, you know, I often think that there's certain teams maybe... Uh, you know, obviously we, we're looking for the likes of Meath and Kildare to get stronger, but there seems to be any given day in Ulster on certain grounds that teams can be taken. Mm. And uh, I just think when you get to Croker now, particularly with the Dubs, I think Kerry, yeah, you're, well, is, is, is the one team we're probably looking at that you would think can, can match them in, in all departments. Yeah, they seem, they seem to be the one. Here's one I'm going to throw to you, uh, Jared. Tomas O'Shea's uh, column, I think it was last Saturday, I just read it. Um, today he was talking about his defending and how he wasn't great at defending as a wing back and I can relate to that because I was the same when I played um, wing back nowhere near Tomas O'Shea's level obviously but like I mean he said (laughs) I I couldn't believe this he said I blossomed as a defender under Jack O'Connor because the one thing he identified was that I wasn't a man marker actually I hated space if I ever felt I was being exposed to it I'd have no qualms about lying to Thomas Sullivan Mike McCarthy or my brother Mark that Jack had sent in instructions (laughs) for us the switch man <laughs> like I can't get my head around that I've never I'm cheeky and all as I am I've never done anything like that like I'm thinking in the championship game Tomas is going to bullshit his brother to, to switch men because he's he's not enjoying marking this lad yeah uh, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing to hear and maybe only Kerry man uh, of Thomas's calibre could probably uh, pull something like that off but it, 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 it's something I, I probably haven't experienced uh, as a player when you're, when you're calling unheard tell of really isn't it no it's unheard of it's unheard of you know, but uh, I, I think he's doing himself a disservice. I think he's an extremely decent man marker as well. Um, in fairness to him, you know, but uh, but the game is involved like so much. I think even when Tomas started to, to when he finished his career, where um, we talk about matchups now as well. Like in, in, in every back six, there's, there's there's probably you know anywhere from two to three man markers being put on key forwards and just nearly follow them wherever they need to be followed and other lads maybe hold the fourth structure a bit. Whereas when Tomas was playing, and even myself in the, in the early years, was was uh, you were trying to hold your back six in some sort of shape, and if the opposition forwards were trying to move you around, you, you could be communicating the pass the lads on, and don't be getting pulled and dragged all over the place. But the game has moved from there, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. You were a motley crew up in your play, up in Donegal in the nineties. To V, was there ever even any of this going on? Tomas O'Shea's winning all Ireland's, lying to his teammates <laughs> to change men. <laughs> Where do we all go wrong? <laughs> We, we never bothered marking anybody. It was just kind of, we, we just wanted to do our own thing. But I actually remember when it was a, my first club final, I remember we, we played two inside and I had 15 in my back. But I remember the fullback was, was an old guy. And uh, I, I was only 19 then, but even in my mind then, I thought I could burn this boy very easily. And I said to the other guy, who was, he was back from America and he was an experienced player, I said, go you in the corner, I'm going full forward. I remember actually doing that. And that was my first county final. Yeah. And I did burn him as well. So, but I, I, that, that was that was a cheeky one. I enjoyed that. Jeez, I remember. I remember I was over in uh, America one year, and uh, it was my first game. It was about thirty degrees heat. It was really hot, and you know, as you go out, I was playing wing back, and uh, to the other wing back. Then you know, you go out and you're kind of played. Which side do you want? Which yeah, side do you yeah, want yeah, in your yeah. ball? So I scanned the two wing forwards, and one was Lee O'Brien, yeah, who played senior for Wexford at the time, and the other fellow was this uh, old lad. 
Right, so I said to your man, go over there. He didn't know who Leo O'Brien was. And I go over <laughs> and onto the owl lad. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, geez, he three points kicked off me in the first five yeah. minutes. It was fucking Gary Mason who won in All-Ireland with Down. I was absolutely livid. I said, what a stupid decision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, never judge a book by its cover, boys. That's basically when you're trying to, when you're trying to pick uh, who to mark. Here, before we get into the matches here, lads, I want to wish happy birthday to Mick O'Dwyer. Mick O'Dwyer is 85 today. A hardy bit of stuff, lads, to, to make it to 85. We know his record in the game. Sometimes I regret kind of my introduction to media was kind of calling Mikko a bluffer and like I mean I didn't mind sticking one to Mikko but it was said in a joking manner but it's kind of stuck with me um, I didn't ha- I had I had a very good and a very bad relationship with Mikko and obviously we all appreciate what he did in Leash so happy birthday Mikko um, and I'll see you soon <laughs> Mate uh, Molly just for you go off Mikko there I mean listen legend of a guy see when you, see when you meet boys like Mikko it's kind of like when you meet the Omar Hardin guys, I guess it's a wee bit surreal because you've seen them for so long and you've heard them speaking that. When you're actually talking to them, you know, I find those moments very special. I know you maybe didn't initially and you've, you've softened up a bit now, but the story you told me about you and Ross Munley was, was like his wee uh, favourite player, kind of thing, the full forward line. And I remember you you had played well in the game and, and he never really took, you were like a workhorse, you were like a target man. And whatever happened in this game, you must have sought, set Ross up for a few scores in the first half. And he says, you never get a better uh, uh, introduction at halftime. Mick was like, that's it, Colm. That's what I want from you. And he was like, I was just getting the ball, give it to Ross. That's all I want from me. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you were so disappointed because you had moved inside. You thought, I'm going to be the new full forward at least. But really, you were just uh, an offloader for Bonnelly, let's be honest. Yeah, I was just an old dog in there passing it off to the scorers. <laughs> Anyways, I got used to it in the end. Right, we'll come back and we'll look at the matches, let's. All right, the first match I want to look at this weekend, lads, is Donegal in Dublin. This is on TG Cahir, quarter past seven on on Saturday night. Um, it's in Kingspan, Breffney Park. It's halfway and like I mean I think this is a huge I'll throw this to you first Brennan because I think this is a huge game for Donegal like I mean would Donegal love a win a big win here two weeks before the championship do they need a statement win do you know like I mean will Donegal come down here go this is a great opportunity for us stop the shadow boxing pick a very strong team and you know lay down a bit of a marker with with Dublin uh, I, I don't know why I'd love to think it would go that far I still think we can get a good game of football but I really think it's about a performance um, that's pressure free not that worried about the result they would like to win the game but not really it comes down to the individuals how lads are going to give them a chance he's definitely not going to play his strongest team uh, Colm that, that's for sure you know it will be it will be up there but there's loads of lads that will be given an opportunity injury free coming through this game is probably one of the highest um, uh, agendas for Declan Boner so so kind of getting nostalgic but, yeah but at what point do you, do you is everything fine tuned and you get your very you know your last good performance where everything's working because do I look at it Donegal um, Declan Bonner's talking uh, you know during the week he's saying I don't think we'll be as offensive I think teams have probably experimented with that attacking option will it be defensive I don't think it will the top teams will start um, concentrating on getting their attacking element right Donegal looked to me to two weeks before a down match to still be in a bloody work in progress. When are they going to decide on what their first team is and what their, their, their style of play is? It's a, it's a bit close. Well, if you look at the last three league games, you see they've been so up and down, you know, against Tyrone, very controlled performance. Michael Murphy plays and then when he gets injured against Monaghan, since then Donegal have, have mixed the, the brilliant with the terrible. 
And I think that's what Declan Bonner's looking to get in. He needs to get some defensive shape and these play. You know, 5 1 down at the water break to, to Armagh. You think the hammer and Donegal give Armagh last year? Armagh had Donegal completely boxed in and they had perfect counter attacking system. Now, in fairness to Bonner and, and Rashford and Paul McGonagall at the water break, we, we talked about the water break there, we we're chatting about it off air there. That, that they write at that, but that's all a learning process. So I, I just think as the game's evolving, well, and the injuries that Donegal have had, it's causing them to be up and down so much in games. I suppose that consistency is not going to work in the championship. So I think this game is what they'll be looking for defensively. They get a rear get action that they can prevent the dubs breaking through. And listen, that's the hardest thing in football at the minute. So I think that's what owners number one thing will be going into this game at the weekend. And given the likes of, you know, Connor Donald come on, kicked a couple of points the last day and lads like Keelan Ward and McFadden Ferry's back might give him a run and Paddy McGrath's close to fitness. Neil McGee's back from injury. So all, all these lads I think will use this as a very much a workout game. Now, don't get me wrong, like Donegal would love to win this and then you know, there, there's no league final after. They don't have anything to worry about in, ter- in terms of that. So, I mean, but it is it is Dublin, and Dublin do like the challenge of coming out of uh, out of Crow Park and comedy Breathney. They've beat Donegal in the last two uh, games there, the under twenty ones, a semi final and a final. So, Donegal don't have happy memories of, of playing the Dubs recently there. No, like I mean, but here's here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> With, with Donegal so obviously they, they played against Monaghan very very offensively and they conceded some goals now they didn't have their full team McManaman who's their best man marker wasn't playing Paddy McGrath who they'd maybe be, be their two corner back mm. men Neil McGee got caught once tries would they not try to continue that with you know their, their main men rather than go right that didn't win with you know some of our second choice teams and now we're going to try you know maybe a bit more defensive like what's your philosophy for this year like I mean it shouldn't depend on one game if you say right well this is what we're going to try and do this year oh shit now Monaghan scored four goals do you do you start scratching your head or do you say hang on a second let's tell the lads these are the mistakes that you made in that game let's work on them in training and let's go out again the next day and let's try that again yeah, uh, look at the. Go on, Brendan. No, go on, Brendan. Yeah. Sorry, Jerry. Go on, no, go on. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, well, see the analyze Donegal at the minute. I'm scratching my head. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that Monaghan game. And then in Armagh, we were, we were totally played off the pitch for a few times. And then from the de- death, 65 minutes, they get to go four points up in a lower scoring game. Well, that was our Armagh's game one. Somehow we should have won the match at the end. So I just don't know what Donegal, you're trying to say what their style is. It seems to change every 10 minutes. Well, like, I'm sitting going, like at, at, doing comedy in them games, your 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 breast, your, your your voice is nearly gone at the end. There's so much going on. But going in to play Dublin, I think, obviously changes everything because they obviously are setting the bar so high. So I think if Donegal are going to think that we can win Ulster and go in and have a, have a tilted all Ireland, it has to start at the back first. And that's where we've been weakest. So I think that's where... The way you're thinking, Donegal will probably concentrate more on getting defensive shape against the Dubs. And if we can come out of that game with a bit of a surety in our defence, we all know about our forward line and our attacking ability. So that's where it has to start. Yeah, maybe maybe that's it. Like, I suppose, if we're, I hope, like, defensive shape and stuff, we know that bringing some bodies back doesn't work against Dublin because Dublin turn into a very boring team and never give you a sniff at it. So I, I thought the first round of the league game, the Monaghan... Tyrone, Donegal, we're all changing their style with a view 
of being able to take on Dublin down the line. So it will be interesting to see how Donegal, you know, set up against uh, against Dublin. No, yeah, absolutely, Willie. And again, for me, I, I think one of the challenges that Donegal have is, is probably one, deciding on how is it that they want to play and just going and doing it. Um, if you overcomplicate it, you know, of course, at inter-county level, you have a plan A and certainly a plan B and, and to a point, a couple of tweaks that could look like a plan C offensively and defensively. But if you're interchanging between the whole lot of them, uh, unfortunately, players in the heat of battle, when you become fatigued, your concentration levels dip and you switch off. So I think they probably need to decide on what it, what their plan A is and also with all their fit players available, what is their starting 15 and try to get that right as close to the championship as possible. Um, the other challenge for me, I, I, um, for, for Donegal, uh, from the outside looking in, obviously Brendan has his ear to the ground there, uh, being from up that neck of the woods, but psychologically last year, they took the eye off the ball in the Ulster Championship. The talk was, here's a Donegal team that's going well, that's going to push uh, Dublin um, in the in, in the All-Ireland semi-final. And um, the real the real chance here, and they just took their eye off the ball, and then they got they got caught in the hop. Again, this is just my philosophy of football, and looking at the attributes of the Donegal players physically, yeah. technically, the Donegal players are as good as any other county out there. Giving them the the the, the scope and the opportunity to, to to go and express themselves. And we also have to bear in mind that it's, 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 it's Bonners and, and Rochford, I think it's their fourth season, albeit it was a short season last year and obviously this year too, but it is technically a fourth season. What is it you're trying to achieve? Albeit you have to tweak and move things around every so often, but uh, they obviously know what they're doing. Uh, they're keeping their cards close to their chest, but I think Donegal have wonderful athletic footballers and they've a bit of hardness, certainly when Neil McGee's back there. And O'Neill, I'm 35, 36 this year, he's no spring chicken either, but he does look in good shape. I think he gets caught when he is being dragged out the pitch and he's getting turned. Um, and maybe the defensive structure that was there before obviously suited him and he could control things. That's not saying that he's not an excellent tackler either, but, you know, age. Is, is your age and you lose your bit of sharpness as you, as, you, as you progress but they probably just need to decide what it is they're trying to do how they're trying to play and just let the lads go and play and again I'm obviously a dub so my blue tinted glass on here we know how Dublin are going to play and they just go out and play it and they try to beat you playing their system and they can adapt and evolve with what they're seeing in front of them in the same way the more practice that Donegal get playing their best way of football uh, best type of football and for me, it would be you know uh, moving the ball quick, uh, hard runners, athletic runners, get the ball inside, let the lads take on the Dublin defenders or whoever it is they're playing against. Um, and the third thing I know I've waffled on a bit here is is the the the, the confidence that you get from beating the All Ireland champions in the league. You know that's huge. And again, I've said it numerous times. We, we obviously won 2011. And people are saying we'll never stop talking about that. But in 2010, we bet Kerry in, in Fitzgerald Stadium in the league for the first time in 20-odd years. And the team that won Fitzgerald Stadium in 2010, it wasn't necessarily all the same personnel um, for Dublin or Kerry, but the confidence was there. And when it came to a close encounter in the All-Ireland final one year later, we 
we go over the line yeah. and the rest is history. So, so, yeah, so, there's, so there's a lot of things in there. That, that, that's kind of why I was thinking maybe laying down a marker might not be mm-hmm. a bad thing for Donegal and treating this like a big game, Brendan, because there's obviously two weeks. And one thing Donegal have, if they want to go out and try and attack Dublin, is they have probably have McManaman who could follow Kilkenny and they have Neil McGee who have the strength for Con, which Kerry don't have, for example. And they seem to have two good matchups. Maybe McFadden Ferry might be good to follow Kilkenny. Mm-hmm. Maybe not when Kilkenny goes inside. McManaman could pick him up mm-hmm. there. But McFadden Ferry is a bit of a dog Brendan you know to, to to hang out with a lad out around the half back line for a full game they have a few yeah. good matchups from Dublin you know like I mean you can make the case for seeing how, how Donegal can hurt Dublin if they want to go out and play them yeah I suppose you know Costlow Pascual I mean once you start to name Dublin you, you start you basically name the whole, the whole team and their subs um, there's probably certain people in there. Keelan Ke- Ke- McGonagall's actually really starting to come of age yeah. in that field. And that's what I mean. Well, I see the person, personal battles coming out of that. Those lads that you mentioned, yeah, if, if they can match up these guys, it's going to bring them on the way. And, and, and the likes of Keelan, like maybe Mark and Fenton, you know, we've, we've seen some brilliance from, from Michael Langan. Um, the other big midfielder, Jason McGee, come on the last day too. So I think that it's all about those players. And as Jerry was saying, because it's such a benchmark, that if, it, if, if Donegal hold their own in this game and, and, and come out of it unscathed, I think that's everything Boner wants. Mm. But should there be a, a, an opportunity, you know, with 10 or 15 to go, that, that Donegal are in the mix, they're going to push all guns blazing. So I still think it could be an interesting game, uh, uh, Wally, but you, you're always thinking that that bit of um, extra, I suppose, time that Dublin has in terms of going into Lancet and that means that they can afford to throw on their best players and, and, and uh, really exercise their squad, where I don't think if Boner, is, if anybody has any issues at the minute, they won't play. And I think that will probably weaken Donegal that small bit. Yeah, maybe that's it. The other interesting game of the weekend, lads, is Monaghan and Galway. Um, two managers under pressure here, if we're being honest, because mm. two managers who took over last year um, didn't win a championship game, um, knocked out by hated rivals, um, Monaghan by Cavan and Galway by Mayo in their only championship game um, come back this year then and now we're in a relegation Jesus you know like I mean and to be honest it's not all doom and gloom like Monaghan I would look at Monaghan and be pretty enthusiastic about them based off the league but the reality is if they lose against Galway they're not it's not been a good start and there'll be a lot of pressure on Banty and Galway I think even a bit more so yeah, and, and, and looking at Galway's situation, uh, Porrick Joyce, obviously the one who started the National League last year, COVID definitely wasn't good to his team and he's probably been struggling to regain that level of uh, uh, fluency, in certainly in their attack play. Um, you know, after the hiding against uh, Kerry, they got their act together, uh, Roscommon the next day and for large parts of the game against Dublin, they performed quite well and it's a bit of experience and probably quality got um, Dublin over the line down in Tume but um, he'd be happy with aspects of it and I think if he can take the good from the Dublin game and the bit of resilience they showed in the Roscommon game and, 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 and lay that on the field then against Monaghan they're in with a good shout um, Would you worry a little bit about Galway in that they had the decent performance against uh, Dublin playing a style that Porrick Joyce came in and said he didn't want to, stay, want to play it. Do you get me? Like, I mean, yeah. what are Galway now? And, 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 and Kevin Walsh, obviously, in his own bit of punditry, came out and was um, speaking about the reasons why he had to, you know, um, go away from that attacking type of football that people would associate with Galway. And he had to play ultra-defensive, uh, uh, despite maybe how he would like to see the game being played. But these are the cards he had, and here's how he had to play Who them. Who do you blame for that, Chair? 
who do you blame for that? You have the, to blame us. You see, it all comes back to the Ulster. No, <laughs> I, I, bl- I blame our man in 2002. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they started all that. I'm telling you, when you look back on those, our man played a fantastic style of football yeah. and so did Tyrone in 05. Yeah. And they were bla- they were told, uh, back though, in those days, you were, they were seeing these are defensive. I look at those games, I looked at them all back during the, yeah. the first lockdown. They played fantastic football. Ro- Ronan Clark, obviously, our man full forward and uh, I, I was in the minor final in 2003 and I was the Armagh playing again uh, drew, drew leash but um, Ronald Clark was playing full forward Beachy in the replay Beachy in the replay I forgot that yeah <laughs> but I, I playing a colleges game against St Mary's Belfast and we were playing up in the dock and Ronald Clark was playing for St Mary's I think he scored about 18, 18 19 points and, and Sean Collar from Port Leeds was marking him who you know, well, I think he got one dive and blocky, and that was the talk on the bus on the way back with a few beers. Like, you know, that was a great block cut. <laughs> pretty much the other 19 points, but the crossfield ball that yeah, Armagh played in to, to him was, was yeah. a uh, super type of football. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that was it. But uh, trying to pick up on what point we're talking about. Oh, yeah, Galway, Brendan. Like, I mean, if you come in, like, I don't want to be hard on Porrick Joyce. My next teammate of his in Tralee, and I, I, I really like Porrick. But I would be a little bit concerned about him at the moment, you know. Like, I mean, they came out playing this great football and it was great combination play. You know, Comer centre forward, Walsh in the full forward line, lovely diagonal ball to Walsh, layoffs, you know, combination Mm. play. You can see that this was good football. The lockdown happened. They got hammered by Mayo and they got a fright. Mm. And then they went out to Mayo in the kind of final and played a sweeper. Then they went and played Kerry this year, took an awful beating, and now they're coming back nearly playing a double sweeper against Dublin last weekend. So, like, does Porrick Joyce have an identity crisis to, to deal with here? Yeah, it definitely, Willie. And I think you've seen the huge issues in Galway with the change in style and the, the abuse and some of the stuff went on there. Walsh tried to, tried to change it. And looking back at it now, Walsh did a good job in terms of... But before he came in, just as you said, Mayo were just hammering Galway every year. He made Galway competitive. He, he turned that round. I suppose that's what he left with us. So, listen, this is Park's first you know, major job coming in. And again, well, just come back to what you were saying about Donegal, the short time frame now and the way every match is like, what happened there? You know, crisis. This yeah. is a crisis. I mean, when Galway lost to Kerry, you were kind of like, forget about it. It was one game and it is that Kerry forward line. And they were coming back late, and etc. So it's hard to, to be too down them. You would just think playing Monaghan now that you know Tony Buckley's in the background. I'm hearing word coming out from Monaghan. They're having, they're, they're they're having great respect for him. He's beginning to filter through his his putting his stamp in that team. You know Davis Brinkley, young players coming through there. You know Boyd Bannigan, the Vale Mulligan. They all look like they're 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 players who can cause problems. So you just think tactically with Monaghan. Uh, versus Galway now that the band they haven't been there before and round the house a bit that matching up to Joyce now that might just give Monaghan the edge going into this tie right, and they, again yeah. just going back to something else the big the big, uh, big begging I'm just watching him a few times well he, he's, he's such an intelligent goalkeeper you know you talk about the, all the rules that keepers provide now I mean the game has changed so much but against Donegal when they went to, lost a lost a man the black card and then a red card the way he comes out the pitch and that He's, he's such a dangerous player in that and everything else that he does. And, and he's another player, obviously, the likes of the Galway don't have on their side. 
Yeah, and even off the bench, Darren Hughes obviously isn't playing as a sweeper anymore. Donny Buckley doesn't believe in sweepers. He doesn't like that. So he's playing as an orthodox midfielder. Look at their bench the last day. Desi Ward came on, Kieran Hughes came on, Niall Cairns came on and Jack McCarron came on. Now that's with these young lads now filtering into the first team. Now some of those lads will, will start the next... Or will start young enough, some of those in the lads. Championship. Too, yeah. But the one thing Donny Buckley works on is one-to-one man-on-man defending. And that's what his specialty is, right? So he obviously have an influence over the game plan and more of an attacking game plan. But he doesn't believe in extra defenders. He believes in fronting up. And that's what Mayo always did. That's what Kerry did against Dublin in 2019. Tyg Morley, um, you had Jason, Jason Foley and you had Tom Sullivan. Manning up against that incredible Dublin full forward line. And, and look, I'm going to try and front you up hands on. I don't think there's there's enough coaching with that Jerry anymore I see you know Donegal getting a fright against Monaghan and now going whoa Jesus this looks a bit scary hang on coach them into doing it I know they're being rewired with the Jim McGuinness tactics for almost 10 years but geez, these lads are inter-county footballers and like I mean if I can learn how to tackle when I'm feckin' 16, 17 I'm sure they can but you know work on it talk to them you know, get goal side of your man. The minute he gets plays the ball, get a good hard tackle in on him. You know, watch. Don't be watching his feet. Watch the ball all the time. All these little things that you know, or don't be watching. Yeah, is that or don't be watching the ball because he'd be moving it. Watch his chest. You know, and and keep your eye on that. Like I don't think these lads are being coached well enough in the backs. Adoni Buckley, for example. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you break it down right, you you to get guys fit initially when you get your squad and and then you're um, which is probably what Mikko did really really well and then you're looking at the technical ability um, of, of players in, in possession but also they're moving from a defensive point of view and certainly my observations of, of, of being around colleges football and, and uh, watching games the last number of years is that uh, out and out defenders their ability uh, to, to, to read the play as it's developing to, 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 to follow the movement to maybe do their homework on the opposition forward and, and, and how he likes to move and his dummy runs and being able to counteract that. Um, the, the, the quality of man-to-man defending has, has certainly reduced. Um, and uh, from my experience of, of um, going from Pat Gilroy to Jim Gavin, um, more of an emphasis came on to man, man-to-man uh, defending, which is obviously where the better teams are going now. Donny Buckley's uh, blueprint and, and which we've seen with uh, with Mayo and, and, and Kerry to a point it, it works and I've said it before the bit of quality it's certainly in Mayo's case in, the, in the, a couple of semi-finals and all-around finals they just missed out on a bit of quality or maybe between the years they just sw- switched off and got cut out so, but so some, it, one does, of the fe- it does work One of the features of Mayo in those finals was some of their dispossessions on Dublin forwards was absolutely incredible Yeah yeah yeah. You yeah. know in one on one situations it, yeah, was a, yeah. it was a feature of all those matches Yeah and, 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 and you talk about um, maybe the matchups on, on uh, Kieran Kilkenny and, and I played with Stephen over in Donegal Boston uh, when, I, when I retired Brendan Stephen McMenamin uh, lovely guy uh, if I was Stephen, I'd be. Well, I shouldn't be giving this away, but it's, it's not rocket science. But look at how Lee Keegan has marked Kieran over the years, the way he marked um, uh, Darren McConnell as well when the both lads are going well. But Lee's ability to keep Kieran quiet. So what was he doing? And 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 and, and mirroring someone is, is a form of flattery. And if you can learn from the best and other guys, I think that's what you do. And 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 that's sometimes my advice when I'm talking to younger players as well is to make sure. 
get watching as many games as you can, look at the better guys in your position in the field, what are they doing, and try to counteract it. But your 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 game intelligence, going back to Buckley's, um, uh, your comments in Buckley, when you're teaching fellas then to, to actually mark your man, to mirror the movement, your, your ability to read the play and to read the game, uh, it just increases as opposed to, right, the opposition have won the ball back, you two lads sprint back to the edge of the um, uh, small parallelogram or wherever the hell it is, or the edge of the, uh, the D, like always double sweeper against Dublin, and you just stay there. Um, there's not, not a whole lot of... Um, skill involved in that for me but anyway yeah no I don't think like I mean some of the best corner backs and we touched on this uh, last week Brendan say if you get the ball right and you win a ball out ahead and like they might even be two or three yards behind you but you'll take a, a step or two to the left mm-hmm. and then they'll cut across the corner and they'll meet you there and they could stick you onto the ground you know and that's with you having a few yards on them that's, and then you have other defenders who want to get out in front and fist it away out of your hand and not let you get it in your hands at all and then you know you have other defenders who maybe want to let you off someone else pick you up and they'll cover a man inside and you kind of know these real smart lads don't you mm-hmm. you know the fellas who are, are clever defenders I don't, I don't want to say too much that they're completely gone out of the game but you do see with Dublin very very much able to communicate with each other on the field and go I don't want him you pick up him I'll cover here you know and you don't need a sweeper if you have fellas who are really clever like that, you know, and communicating really well. And there should probably be no excuse not being able to communicate really well that if Ryan McHugh's man drops into midfield, he can't communicate. And now he's the sweeper, you know, and now he wins the ball off a break and he's up like his brother Mark and tearing up the field. You know, you you can figure this out amongst the six backs, you know, and that was always, that was always the way, Brendan. Like, I mean, we've had very bad days at the office with just six on six. Oh, 100%. I mean, well, if you get your hands on the ball in that tight championship game against some of those top defenders back in the day, that was that was uh, well done, number one, just to get your hands on the ball. Secondly, and if you were going to try and burn them and get a shot away, you had to be moving at your top, top speed. And now, if a player, you see it all the time now, if a player's left one-on-one, it's like, how did that happen? The, yeah. the, the team is defender, like, well, he was isolated. How did that happen? How did that happen? I was thinking back in the day, well, but that meant just normal game. Now it's kind of like we. Now if you look at the forwards around the country, Willie, it used to be a thing where the defenders there was almost a, a serious respect. There was for every ten top forwards, you pick ten top defenders, and everybody would know them. I guarantee you now, if you go to your average GA man and get him the aim, give, give me your ten top forwards in Ireland. They rhyme off the all the usual suspects. Give me your ten top defenders. I guarantee you, a lot of people struggle even to give you. Someone that's outstanding, such has been the, the, the change in it, Willie. And it, it's something, again, if we're looking now, how quick that the game has, has, has evolved again. I think now, and you're on about Buckley and one-on-ones, I think that'll, that'll come back. But certainly at the minute, uh, I, I can see very few defenders handling the top forwards uh, in the game one-on-one. Yeah. You know, and you get the places like Crow Park, um, the, the people are in trouble without the backup. It's, it's nearly gone like hurling, Jared. Yeah. The, the skill levels have gone so high. No one wants to be the dogger. Yeah, yeah. Cornerbacks now want to be foot. They're the new wingbacks. Yeah, yeah. Right. And who wants to be just a spoiler? Like, like to be honest with you, that's an art in itself. Whoever wanted to be that chip player, like, it takes <laughs> a, nearly like you know they say goalkeepers are mad, but those doggers were mad. Like, how what enjoyment was in the game for them? I, I often <laughs> scratch my head. Well, and, 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 and I, I don't know what it was like. Brand playing as a full forward and. The odds, no doubt during your career you were brought out to the 45 or that or even wing forward what sort of game it was for you but for me as a, as a centre back 
and the odd occasion was put back full back it was a different sport and it was something mm. I said he didn't enjoy and, and the couple of times I was back there Mark and Stephen O'Neill um, uh, all, all of his tasks with doing was just get a fist on it that's it that's all you have to do and I, for, for me, it was like, this is boring. I, I have no interest in this because, you know, it's, 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 there's no skill really involved. In it. But you need a type of individual to be able to do that as an out-and-out fullback. Um, I, think, I think the real challenge maybe for, 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 for coaches and teams out there is to teach their forwards how to tackle and how to track back and to work on that so that there's not an overlap created. And if you can stop the defender coming out further up the field, that means as a corner forward, Brendan's not tracking back to the wing back position following his man because he's managed to get a stop on him off there, you know. Yeah. See, so, you've had a very interesting point there, boy. And this actually could come back to modern day living and people's perception of sport. If you look at the game, right, basically everybody gets to play in the game uh, out the pitch, except for the, the two that's left inside. Most mm-hmm. teams tend to have two that's staying around the house. So everybody else, you even look at Owen Ban, that's number two for Donegal, he's up the pitch more yeah. often than not, having shots, getting involved in the play. So everybody gets to play, so you're right. That lad is just has to be the dogger, stick at home. I think maybe the modern players look and going, here, I don't want to do that. Maybe no. that's why Donegal's cl- clinging on to Neil McGee. Neil's getting like your old hardcore kid and go through a brick wall kind of dude. Yeah. He'll play wherever you tell him. But maybe that modern player coming through well, doesn't want that now. They want to be out everywhere in the pitch and involved in everything yeah. and, you, and you get lads coming to us and in UCD or a couple of other squads I'm involved with and um, I really don't like playing cornerback and I play <laughs> wing back <laughs> well we give you a half wing back but you know what unfortunately you're, you're, you're a better man marker than the fella who we had started wing back we put back so yeah. you're, playing you're not even that good you're just better than the other lad you're just better than the other lad <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, 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 and there is an element and, and probably when you're designing your team and, 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 and how you you, you reward players that well, well then you probably have to move the goalpost internally to say that look we're delighted with fucking uh, Woolly super game Brendan touched the ball twice he got a score but didn't touch the game ball for the rest of the game nor did Woolly well done and that was it and, yeah. and, and, and fellas yeah. have to be happy with that and if they're not um, but see look at the highlights on Sunday game and, and again you talk about society as well at the highlights show the great scores, the, the great catches, they don't show the off-the-ball stuff. Uh, no. Your man um, uh, messing around with the full forwards, getting him in headlocks, whatever he has to do, you know, to uh, to torment him because uh, that's I, not seen as uh, something I, worth showing. Well, maybe that's it. And all the, all the young fellas now have social media accounts and they're on Twitter and yeah. they want to see their score being shown on, on the, not just on the Sunday game. Yeah, they yeah. want to see something going viral because they're all obsessed with this on yeah, yeah. TikTok or, or, or Snapchat. Brendan's on Snapchat. Imagine that. He's about oh, 45. Man. <laughs> way too old for Snapchat but <laughs> he must be chasing but, it yeah. <laughs> but anyway do you get my point Brendan like you're not going to see yourself being highlighted on anything being the dog in cornerback yeah exactly Willie and, and listen don't always embrace technology Snapchat's crack my man yeah. right, that's, that's where I can send you a drunk uh, picture or video and it's never seen again that's what's safe if it's Snapchat my man. but here listen Willie I'll tell, I'll tell you now, you know, if you look at some of this, and I'm just thinking as, as we're talking there, do you remember Murphy a few times because of his, uh, his status in Donegal? Um, Tyrone a few times just put a man on him to literally mark him like a full backwood. Mm. He was just in his face. He was even looking at the ball. It was horrible to see, but it was them trying to counteract. So it's, are you willing to sacrifice your game for the team? And because yeah. now, years ago, when it was that back six, your full back line was this tight unit and the three was all together with the keeper and then the half back line. Yeah. They all had their job to do in a certain zone and there must have been a buzz, a collective about that. 
But if you like now, there's just one maybe or two that's left and everybody else gets yeah. to be up the pitch kicking points and that. That's probably where, where, where the changes are, right? yeah. Yeah, maybe it is. Lads, right, lads, we'll run through the rest of them here and we'll just give a prediction um, on these. We'll go through the semi-finals, lads. I don't have time to go through uh, relegation ones. Division 2 um, semi-final, Clare versus Mayo, Cusick Park. This is on TG Cahar. Um Obviously, Clare having a great league. Let's be honest about it. Probably a step too far to be... Uh, to be able to beat uh, Mayo Brendan even though look they'll put a they'll give a good account of themselves in Cusick Park I'm sure uh, this worries me this good account of themselves uh, William just looking at the divisions the yo-yo that's going on we've got yo-yo teams now that are going up and down up and down you look at our man Ross Common this year if the league had been normal they'd probably have been candidates for, for relegation and if it was it would have been come back to this situation where the same teams coming up same teams coming down and now and then a top top team gets squeezed and if the league has got the seven top teams in the country in it, last year the squeeze came and it was Mayo them went down. So yeah, listen, Clare having a good league. Mayo are going back up. The other the other game called there in, in Meath, very interesting. But again, the top teams, well, you know that that top seven in particular, I think, are just that step ahead. And those those other teams are desperately trying to catch up to them. But for me, they're still a good way off. Yeah, you give Clare a great chance against Kildare Mead in the other semi-finals. Just Mayo are, are at that top seven level where, you know, Mayo are in the top four, three, four levels. So yeah. it's probably a bit too yeah. much. Clare, Clare often get hammered by Kerry and Killarney, but they often put it up to them in Cusick Park. They're so, they, you know, they're, they're decent. There. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a sneaky bet on, on, on Clare here purely because <laughs> they, 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 uh, I agree with everything that both of you have said but they've home advantage uh, they're motoring well I don't know when they've ever been in Division 1 football um, if ever um, this is their All-Ireland Final I think final. in the 90s they were in it OK this is their All-Ireland Final to get up with the group of players they have uh, to give it their all at the same time Mayo will obviously be keen to get back up it, 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 it's uh, an outside bet for Clare but I'm going to chance them right and that's true because they have Kerry in the championship so they know this is their game of the season yeah. um, to go up that's fair so well, you're going for Clare with myself and Brennan going for Mayo Kildare Mead in the other Division 2 uh, semi-final this in Newbridge at 2 o'clock um, obviously this game last year in Croke Park was a bit of a, a, a weird game Kildare were 6 points up at half time and conceded 5 goals in the second half um, to lose to Mead this is a fight to see who's the second best team in in Leicester, Leinster. Yeah. neither of them seem to really want to take the mantle on, to be honest with you, and neither of them seem to want to take Dublin on. Ben McCormick's back for Kildare, Mickey Newman's back for Mead. I saw Jack O'Connor complaining, it's in Newbridge, uh, Brendan. I saw Jack O'Connor complaining last week that playing in Newbridge doesn't actually suit Kildare, and traditionally, Newbridge really suits Kildare because he, he, it, it is a small, tight pitch. And he says that the expansive football they want to play, their own home pitch doesn't really suit them. So I don't know if that's going to be something that will lean you towards me either or not. <laughs> no, Willie, I, w- I wouldn't say so. And, and, and you're right. Listen, the mindset of those teams is all about getting into Division 1. And I think when you're looking at the leagues now, Willie, they've, they've become so split. that The fear of a couple of sides going down into three. Three is the real, I think, graveyard area which teams are afraid to go down. And when you're in two, you've got teams like Mayo, coming down from the top flight who have mixed it and played in all Ireland finals. So that gives Division 2 a big lift. There's always a few teams in there that you can really base yourself on. But for Kildare and Meath, both have been up in recent times. They just want to get back in the D- Division 1. It's a massive game for the two of them. And going back to what you're saying at the start of the show, Willie, outside of anything, right, this is the, the year for them. So while the likes of Donegal and Dublin are just thinking championship and a lot of sides, Kerry, Toronto, are just thinking championship, Kildare and Meath are thinking, we've got to stabilise 
here, get into Division 1, try and stay in Division 1, and only then can they start to get to be in a place where they can have a tilt at Dublin. So vital, vital uh, 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 match between these two teams. Yeah, who do you, who do you both fancy, Brendan, you first? I'm going to go for Mead. Yeah, it's a 50-50. I'm going to go with Mead. I think Jack O'Connor potentially shot himself in the foot with that comment because they are known to uh, be erratic, perform well one week, perform well in a half and probably in the next. And uh, Mead is a bit more doggedness, I think, in Mead, which will, <clears throat> which will get them through. Um, and I think when the pressure comes on, Kildare uh, players in the back of their head will have what Jack O'Connor maybe said. Uh, well, you know, sort this pitch isn't for us anyway. <laughs> well, I do. I do take your point that there's definitely more fight in Mead, and there's more consi- You know what yeah. you're going to get from Mead, whereas exactly. you don't know what you're going to get from Kildare. Yeah. So it's a safer. Yeah. They're definitely a safer bet. Division three semi-finals: Les Limerick um, against Derry's and Carrick on Shannon. It's in neutral ground at four o'clock. Um, it's in GA goal. Paddy Bradley. Um, it's, it's nearly the same team every time. Uh, Jer, he's saying I've no bones in saying that this is even more important than the championship. Uh, big focus all year has been getting out of Division Three, so this is like a championship final to Derry to get out of Division Three and get playing at a higher level is obviously going to benefit their development. And he was talking about a conveyor belt of of new players coming through from underage, and that the future is bright. You know, they've a very good midfield. You know, McGuigan is one of these you know yeah, special players, made, yeah. and and uh, Gallagher is now has them kicking a little bit. Of football so he was obviously very very positive about them but the step in their progress- progression has to be to get into Division 2 uh, and they have to and, and, and the, the wonderful performances and the score lines that they put up in, in, in their league campaign to date if they don't win this game uh, over the weekend fortunately it'll be forgotten about by, by, by the Derry people because they're still where they were and progress is only measured by actually for a team like Derry actually getting up yeah. and Ferris de Galler uh, known for being quite probably defensive he has the lads playing lovely football uh, I've played against a lot of the, the Derry players uh, Players with Vincent when we played Ball and Derry in the semi-final and lost to Slock Neil in another semi-final and they're wonderful, wonderfully skillful and athletic and tough, tough, tough fellas, you know. So yeah. uh, you'd fancy Derry, yeah. Yeah, me. you'd have to fancy Derry, even though Limerick are going well. Limerick lost to Offaly, you know, and, you know, it's uh, Derry won all their three games. I just think Derry probably could survive in Division 2. Limerick are just up from Division 4. Limerick have a little bit more progression uh, to make. Hugh Burke is playing very well for them in the corner. We know the, we know Ian Corbett is brilliant at centre-back. I just think Derry are, Derry are a step shoot, ahead of Limerick. Shoot. Huge fitness, uh, Willie. They, they, mm. they come back, hit the ground running. I, I know what you're saying there, Jer. I, I've seen some of the reports in their games. It looks like they're, they, they train so hard in the, in, the, in the lockdown that they've come in with the fitness that they're breaking into the space. I think they've sucked teams in. Mm. They're a good counter-attacking system. It is Gallagher, don't forget. Uh, he's not going to abandon that uh, kind of blanket uh, counter-attack defence. But you're right, it's, it's Glenn and Slough need players. Are, are dominating the side. Two two brilliant club teams, and as you said, you know the likes of McKeg, you know uh, McFall, McGuigan's brilliant. You know all, all these lads in there. Uh, Glass is back from from the Aussie rules. Derry are certainly uh, on the on the up. Still, I think a long way off an Ulster challenge, but certainly Division Two would be brilliant for them. Yeah, definitely because they play Donegal most likely in the championship, so that could be the, their their year over. Offaly for Mana, it's in O'Connor Park. Big advantage for for Offaly. Offaly won all three games. They're absolutely flying it. Like they're beating Tip, they're beating Limerick, they're beating Wicklow. Like beating them convincingly enough as well, and playing great football. Like when you look at Offaly, 
right? In Mohan's first year, they went up to Navan and should have beaten Mead, playing fantastic uh, kicking football. Um, then last year, they beat Carlo and only lost to Kildare by four points. And now they're in the promotion to get into Division 2. Like, I mean, he's done a very good job with a team that didn't look to be going anywhere when he took them, ticked them over. Uh, and, 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 and Carlo uh, played awfully in the Championship last year, just losing by a point. And yeah, they only the, beat... Go three fourteen to twenty points or something, wasn't it? Something like that. Um, and 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 Offaly played a lovely offensive brand of football. And the few clips I've seen of them in this national league so far, they're playing the same way. And 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 that um, in a way raises the point we spoke about earlier on about either an identity crisis in Galway or Donegal deciding what way do we actually want to play. Mon is playing the way he likes football to be played and it's as simple as that it's offensive football it's, it's very easy to um, uh, analyse but it's hard to stop and if you get guys fit enough get the quality up get the morale going and obviously there seems to be a great bounce from Michael Dignam coming in as chairman and, and, and his leadership and that positivity and no nonsense uh, type approach filters down um, in, in in many in many ways, you know. So, yeah. so uh, uh, it'd be great for Offaly, I think, to go up. It'd be great for Leinster uh, to have Offaly open Division Two and uh, pushing forward, you know. So. Yeah. Now, for men, I have been in Division Two, so mm-hmm. you wonder how good Offaly are. I'm going to. I'd say we're all going for Derry in the last one. I'm going to go oh, for yeah. Offaly here at home. Uh, Daniel McDermott coming in off the bench. They've some good. They've some good uh, forwards. Keen Farrell came off the bench the first two games. He's a young player. Um, he's highly rated. Then scored one three against. Tipperary you have your usual Anton uh, McNamee and Bernard Allen and these fellas they have some good forwards and they get it up yeah. early to them and they, they play good football who, who do you fancy here Gerald start with you I'm going to go with Offaly uh, Brendan I'm going to have to stick with my neighbours here for mana ok fair enough Division 4 then this is the big one um, okay. It's, like, okay, it's not the big one but it's a very big one Carlo against Loud like two of the, <clears> the like, at the start of the year you would probably say the two teams that you'd maybe fancy to go up you've drawn each other in the semi-final now at, at, as tough although Antrim have improved a lot it's still a very very tough semi-final there yeah um, and Brendan I'm doing a bit of coaching Loud just in case uh, as yes. you Loud Carlo in case <laughs> you, you didn't you didn't realise uh, I told him I told it's him all good, good, good. Um, I'll, the, give you the, I'll give you the Mickey Hart playbook now yeah, the, the playbook. you were worried yeah, you yeah. say Carlo were playing shite yeah, Carlo have home advantage which is great to be 200 people in there um, Loud have played some lovely football they've got an extra game in um, Bar losing to Antrim by a point uh, there's some lovely forwards and um, uh, Mulroy is a, is a huge player for them everyone, good, everyone yeah. goes through them and, and uh, you know, we we be doing our best to try to curb him. But uh, one, one thing that I have noticed, like I mean, <clears> when when you're looking at Carlo, and obviously I haven't seen Carlo because they don't get airtime yeah, in yeah. Division Four. But you look like you've settled on a, on a team. You look like you've settled. Some of the criticisms we'd have of the bigger teams, it's not something I can criticise you of. You seem to have settled. Now I know your pick isn't as big, ex- mm-hmm. you know exactly, but you seem to have settled down on your team and the way you want to play. You know, so you have last year and now another year to kind of build on that again. Yeah, well, you, you look, you're you, the the starting points with Division Four teams is, is, is so far different to a Division One and Two team, and just getting guys into good habits around training, being on time, um, minding themselves the best they can off the field getting those little things right they eventually all add up and accumulate and transfer onto the field and uh, what, what what we have with Carlo and what I'm very conf- confident of going into the game is that the lads will give it their all um, it, it's going to be a tight match two, two, two well matched teams and uh, 
Hopefully Carl will come out on top, but uh, it is going to be close. Yeah, looking forward to it. Waterford Antrim. Um, uh, you have to fancy Antrim here, Ger. You have to fancy Antrim. Um, again, Waterford, we, we, we bet them well. 15, 16 points in the first game. They got um, their act together a bit more going in against Wexford to bet Wexford. Yeah. Um, they're playing down in, in, uh, in, in I think it's, it's a far field of Wells Park. It's in Dungarvan. Field, yeah. So that's uh, Dungarvan. Uh, it's actually a lovely pitch. It's at a quarter past recently. 12 in the morning for Antrim it, to have to drive down there. Like, I mean, that's yeah, harsh. No doubt they're staying they can, over. They uh, have to, yeah. They stay overnight. And um, yeah, look, you would have to fancy Antrim in, in terms of the quality that they have, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right, lads, we've gone. There was a bit of a marathon show. There was so much to get through and we didn't even speak about about the relegation matches, I don't. See, I'm not, you've two quiet fellas what, here what, with what, me and Brendan, about, you know. Well, well, what about the Division Four Shield, Sligo and Wexford? You mention that. <laughs> is there a Division well, Four Shield? There is. I don't oh, know. There is. Is there, there is. Yeah. Jesus. Don't, yeah. We're all, hey, we're all GA. We're all one. Here, okay? here, listen, Everybody's listen. Sure. I might have played Junior B last night, but I'm not going to talk about a Shield match. Give me a bit of, <laughs> give me a bit of credit. <laughs> all right, we'll leave it there, lads. We'll be back on Monday and we'll review the whole weekend's uh, football as usual. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh really? Yeah, I must have been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.